Chapter Eight of Outlaws of Ravenhurst by Sister M. Amelda Wallace, S.L. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ruin in the Wood. March came. The lad stood by his window, watching the sunrise. Oh, how warm! It is really spring at last. I am going for a ride before breakfast. He ran out into the hall. Godfrey was there. Good news, my lord. Sir Roger decided last night that he would send you to Glasgow to prepare for the university. You will go in the fall. Oh, Godfrey, are you going too? And there will be all those football games. Football, is it? You must do more than play football. You must become a learned man, so that you can bring your earldom to its proper place. Oh, I know. I mean to study, but I have not played with a boy for almost a year. Yes, yes, I understand. I know how you feel. Quite natural for a lad. But here comes your uncle. Well, my little Gordon, Sir Roger was smiling. A messenger brought this letter a few minutes ago. It is as much for you as for me. The lad took the note, a dainty bit of parchment with an odor of roses about it. His mother was now in great favor with the queen. She had made a conquest and was soon to marry the earl of something or other. He could not make out the name, nor the long title. There was not a word about himself, not so much as, my love to the boy. She had forgotten him. The bitter spot which had been burning all winter was almost past bearing. He did not ask if she were coming home. He wished never to see her again. Why should he? She had no love for him. Gordon, says Sir Roger, as he took the note from the boy's hand, I am much pleased with your progress in study. You have a brain and use it. Now I am going to give you the best education to be obtained in Scotland. Oh, thank you, uncle. When am I going? The lad was thinking of football. I do want to go so much, and I'll study. Oh, I will study, uncle. Godfrey will take you to Glasgow next fall. But remember, you do not stir one step till I have your word that there will be no Catholic nonsense while you are gone. Gordon did not answer with the indignant, no, that had always come before. His heart was full of bitter, stinging anger. He was longing for boyish games, as only a lonely boy can long. He turned on his heel and walked down the hall toward the stables with a quick, short step. Sir Roger would have followed, but Godfrey touched his arm. Let well enough alone, my lord. Let that dose sink in. The horse had been in the stable for days. He would not stand still even while Gordon mounted. They were under the old arch in a flash and onto the drawbridge before it was fully down. The steed gave a little snort and tossed his mane. Away he flew toward the wood. Gordon leaned forward. Away, away through the clear sunshine, over the hedges, over the ditches with a catch in his breath, dodging under branches, just bursting into leaf. Oh, what a glorious ride! The horse stopped, panting at the edge of the wood. God's sweet sunshine had put a better spirit into the boy. Good ride, old fellow, good ride, he cried, slapping the horse's shoulder. Take it easier if you want to. You're getting hot. A bird in the great larch above him set up a bit of spring tune, and Gordon whistled in answer. His hand was deep in his pocket as boys' hands are sure to be. Something hard touched his fingers. He drew it out. Only a brown rosary. 
Gordon held it up and looked at the simple thing, wondering how it came to be in his pocket. He had forgotten all about the rosary he meant to say every day for the folks back home in Maryland. They had promised to say one for him. Would they have forgotten? No, not Daddy Abel. When he said he would do something, he did it. Gordon slipped the beads through his fingers. They brought memories. The old cabin, mother kneeling by the cradle, rocking it with her foot, father leading the prayers, and all the little Abel's answering, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. He saw Daddy reaching one hairy hand to give little witch a cuff for tickling toddler's feet, but never pausing in the prayer. Then he remembered the old log church, Father Cornwall's solemn voice, but still the same sweet prayer that the angel said, Hail Mary, full of grace. And the great day, it was only a year ago, when they made their first communion, he and Joel. He thought of the joy of that moment when, kneeling at the altar rail, he saw the priest raise the host above the chalice, and the long-awaited moment had come. He thought of the promises, boyish promises, earnest, loving, whispered to the Lord Jesus. He remembered with a start that he had given no answer to Uncle Roger in the hall. Daddy Abel seemed to be standing at the edge of the woodland and saying, No man can lead you into sin if you don't follow him. Stand on your own two feet and be a man. Suddenly the horse stood still. There was a wall of trees in the way. They were so close to each other that none had a chance to grow. Some seemed dying, others were dead. The row stretched out to right and left as far as he could see. It looks like a hedge that has not been cut since the owl knows when, he thought as he turned to the right and rode along. He found an opening farther down and looked through. On the other side was a field with a strange row of trees running around it. Looks as if it used to be an oat field, Gordon mused, with all those bunches of old straw among the weeds. But that must have been long, long ago. Look at all those young trees growing in the field. A bush moved, and a deer sprang from behind it, head raised, ears alert, and foot uplifted. A frightened sniff, a scamper of hoofs, it was gone. The horse, a hunter-bred, dashed to the opening between the trees. Gordon, quickly dropping his head against the beast's neck, barely escaped the fate of Absalom. They bounded away across the field, over the bushes and under the trees. Then the deer swerved suddenly and sprang through an opening in the dense hedge. "'I am not going through that place, old fellow,' cried the lad, tugging at the reins. "'Maybe you can get through there, but I want my head for a day or two more.' Gordon had a good wrist for his age, but the horse had a good neck for his age. The animal was full-grown, the boy was not. "'Can't stop him,' he gasped. "'His jump off or be raked off.' Loosening his feet in the stirrups, he dropped the reins and jumped. Gordon struck, rolled over a few times, and lay still until the dizziness from the fall had passed. Then he sat up, rubbed himself, and took stock of his injuries. Kind of shaken up inside. Headaches, some. Knee stings. Nothing but a bruise in a skinned place. Guess I'm all right. Jumping up, he ran to the opening and slipped through. The horse was gone. So was the deer. Gordon was standing at the edge of an old flower garden. The weedy bed beneath his feet had once been a star of roses, over which a crested boar's head grinned from its place on the great sundial. 
a cross of malta lay beyond with a marble fountain at the centre but the rose bushes were choked with dead thistles the gravel was covered with moss and the frog in the broken fountain croaked to the lizard that sprawled on the sundial the building had once been majestic but fire and time had made it a vast ruin the cloister lay in blackened heaps half covered with moss and vines here and there an arch yet stood held more by the ivy than by its own strength the gothic windows of the minster were broken and blackened but the morning sun glinting through them sent long prisons of light across the weed-grown lawn the lad crawled over a broken window-sill from the jagged pane above him smiled our lady queen of heaven my mother gordon whispered my mother she is like sir roger but you loved your son if i have you i have a mother still and i all but turned against the faith this morning gordon dropped down into the ruined minster the carved stalls were about him many had fallen and some were half buried beneath parts of the roof which had come down years before there were heaps of dead leaves on the mouldering beams plants growing upon them and many vines a sapling oak leaned over the altar slender graceful beneath it the tabernacle door hung open on one hinge a robin perched there looked at the boy with frightened eyes her nest was in the holy place gordon paused on the altar step and the bird flew to the tree he put out his hand to take the nest but stopped i wonder what is worse to leave the nest there or to put my hand into the tabernacle let the poor bird in peace gordon came a low powerful voice the boy turned with a startled cry halfway down among the ruined pews stood a tall figure in a long gray cloak his face seemed but a yellow skin stretched across the skull but the deep blue eyes were full of life they were kind eyes and gordon lost his fear as he looked into them see you have frightened the little bird she is doing no harm where she is that place has not been god's altar for eighty years and more how is your mother my mother all the anger of the morning burned in the lad's voice he spoke out wildly spoke as he had never done before even with godfrey told it all all that had been burning in his heart these long bitter months and you believed this all this believed it isn't it true not one word of it where is my mother then a great hope was springing up in his heart perhaps he had not been dreaming perhaps his real mother had sat with him beside the fireplace on that first night i do not know where she may be then how can you say the story is not true why do i know this wild tale is untrue gordon i know margaret of douglas poor margaret how much she has suffered and you boy how could you believe such things of your own mother but godfrey said so uncle roger must have lied to him godfrey is your friend the best friend you have is he not he has always been kind to me oh yes very kind he tells you what a bright boy you are and that you will be the greatest lord old ravenhurst ever had how did you know that the boy flushed painfully godfrey is bertrand's son do you know who bertrand was not yet 
in time you shall a devil with the oil of flattery upon his lips is a double devil boy the stranger paused as if in thought so margaret has been gone for seven months did she speak to you about your faith or your father before she disappeared gordon was troubled had his mother really spoken to him on that first night if that gentle sorrow-worn mother were not a dream she had forbidden him to mention the subject of which they had talked you need not fear to tell me said the stranger seeming to read the lad's thoughts you know to whom you are speaking do you not no sir who are you that knows so much about my mother and me stephen douglas uncle stephen donkey Tiwee. you have changed much since you used to call me by that name did your mother speak of sir james or of your religion yes uncle stephen that is i don't know if she did or if i dreamed she did i think she talked to me a long time on the night i came from maryland maybe she didn't but i think she told me about my father and was going to tell me more but she stopped strangely all of a sudden do you know what penalty she was to pay for such talk no uncle sir roger told her that if she ever dared to speak to you of sir james or of your faith he would execute the law to the fullest extent do you know what that means no uncle if a widowed mother persists in teaching the ancient faith to her children any relative of the new faith may take her children from her roger said that if she went against his will she would never see your face again if she had told me margaret would not have told you her own danger no doubt godfrey had an ear at the door your mother knew the risk and took it fearing you might get into trouble by some foolish attempt to rescue her she did not tell you of sir roger's threat that would be margaret's way god grant the traitor had enough mercy to put her in a cell above ground where do you think she is some place in the old castle in or under the north tower the dungeons are there gordon scraped his heel back and forth among the dry leaves she has been suffering all winter long and instead of helping her i have been thinking mean things let it be a lesson to you never allow any one to come between you and your mother or between you and your god those two friends are true gordon stood with eyes of dumb agony the gray cloak friar waited watching he knew the metal of that boy and let the pain give the caustic cure burning out whatever might of dross could be within that strong young soul at last gordon drew a long breath as if shouldering a load he looked up at his uncle on his boyish face was the light of awakening manhood a deep strength scarcely expected there but because it was impossible for him to open his full heart as yet when he did speak it it was a mere commonplace which he asked uncle what does my mother look like is she a little white-haired fair old lady godfrey said i had been dreaming he said my mother is young and very beautiful your mother is not old in years she seems old because she has suffered so much since that night when the dragoons came for your father sir james let me make his castle my headquarters you know i am an outlaw child to give me food or shelter is a crime punishable by death 
I fear your father gave his life for mine. Could you but remember that night, which followed the arrest of your father, you would know if your mother loved you or not. Toward morning her heart was so faint that Benson whispered to the other watcher, Begin the beads again, Jeanie, her soul is passing. But Margaret's eyes opened wide. Pray, she gasped, pray that I may live. I cannot die. God helping me, I will not die. I must live for my son's sake. And you, boy, you would let that smooth-tongued Godfrey make you hate her. No, no, those words were too sharp. Forgive me, child, you are only a lad. How could you know the depths of your mother's love? But Gordon suddenly spoke out the thought that had been on his lips a moment before, when he could not control himself to speak it. Uncle Stephen, mother said you are a priest. Well, I am, child. Then couldn't I, couldn't I, go to confession to you here? And I am fasting. Perhaps, that is, is there any way for me to receive Holy Communion? Maybe then I, I wouldn't be so. Friar Stephen took the tear-stained face in his hands. I have frightened you over much, my son. You have been sorely tempted, but I do not think that you have sinned grievously. If Sir Roger were to hear that you had received the sacraments, he would be very angry. He often gets angry. I shall not mind that. This will be a very different sort of anger. He is cruel, as all cowards are. There will be no one who will dare to defend you. Stephen spoke slowly, as if weighing his words, yet he knew what the answer would be. My father suffered, and mother is suffering now. There was joy in the soul of Stephen Douglas. Many were the prayers he had said, many the penances offered that this day might come. So you are ready, Gordon, ready to take your first step on the path of those who suffer for God. Then, taking a kerchief from his cloak pocket, the friar began to bind it over the boy's eyes. Why are you covering my eyes? cried the startled lad. It is not wise for you to know where the good Lord is hiding. Do you think I would tell? cried Gordon, cut to the heart. No, no, child, you would not tell. I did not mean that. But Godfrey will ask sharp questions, and judge by your face when he finds the truth. Bertrand's son is cunning, but he cannot learn from you what you do not know. So you will go with the bandages over your eyes. There is a long walk before you. Say your prayers as you go. A long walk it was indeed, with many turns and twists. At last Fire Stephen spoke. Be careful now. We are to go down steps. Down, down, down they went, and then on again. It was damp and cold. Gordon knew it was a cellar, but never thought the prudent friar had led him about in the wood, only to take him into the same ruin from which he had brought him. At last Stephen turned a key in a lock, opened a door, and removed the bandages. They were in a place so dark that Gordon could scarcely see. No little trembling light burned red through the darkness. The enemies were too many. Only the holy stillness spoke of the divine guest and Gordon knelt to adore. End of chapter 8